everybody. This is Dimity McDowell with another Mother Runner hosting the podcast today for Sarah, like she just said. Um, I wanted to start today's podcast by sending love from the tribe to Sarah and her family as they celebrate the long and full life of her dad. Our prayers and thoughts are with you, SBS. So, um, and I also want to welcome, of course, Tish Hamilton. Hello, Tish. Hi, Dimity. How are you doing out there in good old NJ? I'm doing well, and thanks for having me today. Well, we love having you. And, I, you know, it's funny because you and I have been emailing, um, you know, basically sentences back and forth. <laughs> we kind of have a married relationship as far as email goes, um, you know, like reading each other's uh, minds as far as, as texts or um, posts and things. But it's so nice to have a moment to actually sit down and talk to you. And nice to hear your voice as well. Good, good. Um, well, so we are coming up on the awesome Holiday of all holidays, Mother's Day. Um, so, so give me your thoughts on Mother's Day, Tish. Are you a big celebrator? Do you and Nina have a plans? What's going on? Haha, ha, I'm not going to say anything until you say stuff first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were talking about Mother's Day, and I thought, geez, you know, am I am I allowed to say anything less than positive with another mother runner crew? So, I know. tell me about. Your Mother's Day, Dimity. Well, you know, it's funny because the world doesn't stop for Mother's Day. No one somehow that memo didn't get put out, right? <laughs> um, so to be honest with you, so it's Sunday. We're recording on a Wednesday. Um, I will be attending one lacrosse game and one basketball game because it is not a national holiday. <laughs> um, and you know, the only kind of um tradition that we have like my kids and I is we usually go and buy flowers because at that point at this point like frost is not going to happen at night so we'll go buy flowers just for our pots um I don't you know I don't pretend to be a gardener and I do have a small garden that survives despite all its odds against it going against it with me as the caretaker um but uh so we'll go buy some flowers probably do a big run and plant the pots but other than that I mean I don't have you know, it's hard. They don't make me breakfast. They don't, I don't really want breakfast in bed. I'll be honest. Um, you know, so I don't want any food in my bedroom and I don't want to have to vacuum. Yeah, I, know, I know. I do not want toast crumbs or toast crumbs in my bed. I know. No, thank you. So, I mean, I do love, you know, I mean, both of our kids are older. How old is Nina now? Is she 13? Yes, that's right. 13. Yeah. So, I mean, when they were younger, I loved the, I loved the crafts and stuff they made at school. You know, yes. that was yeah, always was fun. fun. Yeah. Um, I'm really bad at redeeming like, here, let's go get an ice cream cone together coupon kind of things. Um, so, you know, I have a plenty of those. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't mean to sound like it's a downer holiday because it's not by any stretch, but that's pretty much how we celebrate. I mean, how how do you celebrate? Well, I, ne- I never got one of those coupons for. Our oh, free you didn't? <laughs> that sounds like oh, a good. Oh well, drop a hint to, to Nina. I mean, usually it's like, oh, I'll do one chore or I'll walk the dog or whatever. No, but then no, no, none of that. Oh, <laughs> no chores, well, no walking the dogs, no ice cream. Well, then I think you need to just drop a hint because it's it's mostly free. Because you know, she, look, let's go get ice cream together. Really, who's going to pay for that? Let's be honest, right? Yeah, right. It's going to come right. out of your bank account. So. You know, she could, you know, give you five coupons and then. And, uh, and honestly, I don't really need a coupon for ice cream. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty good at doing that on my own every day anyway. But yeah, I yeah. Like the dog walking sounds great. Yes. Or, or like unload the dishwasher. Yeah, I'm all for oh. that. Does that she awesome. moan and groan when she has to unload the dishwasher? She won't do it. She refuses to do it. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. She'll vacuum. 
Okay. Um, that's that's pretty much the only thing that that she'll do without a lot of complaining. Wow. Because yeah. I gotta say, my kids they ask like I'm asking them to like clean up all the dog poop in all the neighbor's yards to <laughs> when I'm like, you know, ask them to unload the dishwasher. Yeah. I'm like, listen, you guys, we have a family that's of four. Easy, that's an easy chore. Well, I know the dishes are clean, you yeah. know, all they have to do is like basically throw some dishes in the, in the cupboards. And, yeah. and then, and you know, it used to be, cause we have, I have two, right. So it used to be like, Oh, it was, I did it last time. Well, it's her turn. It's his turn. It's her turn. And I just, am like, you know what, you guys, I'm not keeping track of turns anymore. You're going to have to unload the dishwasher about 500 more times before you move out of this house. So just get just used to it, it you know? <laughs> so, um, so maybe, maybe have her make a couple of coupons for that. Yeah, yeah that thinking. sounds good. But and you're, are you running a race? I think you're running a race on Sunday, aren't you? Well, so what happened was last year was kind of the, the worst Mother's Day ever. Um, Uh-oh, what and, happened? And, and, well, you know... I, it's all small stuff, but it added up to being sort of a bummer of a day. She wasn't feeling well. I mean, Mother's Day, it's hard for us because here it is in the middle of May. That we have so much tree pollen here. Uh, oh, sure. Area right now, and she is just miserable with um, allergies. Just allergies or allergies and a cold. But it seems like at this time of year, every year, she's completely congested and sneezing. And, and as you know, swimming in chlorinated pools doesn't really help that. No. Uh, so she was, she was, you know, not feeling well and unhappy and, it, you know, uh, I wasn't happy either. So I keep a little notebook of of notes on how the days go for every year. And, and I wrote at the top of it, next year, plan a better Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You have a compass. You have a compass. So, yeah. So what's going to happen on this better Mother's Day? We're all intrigued. Well, well, we'll see. Right. So I was um, I, I was supposed to have run a half marathon in March and that sort of fell apart for one reason or another. The people I were going with decided not to go and it just was it just didn't happen so I was like well I kind of did a few long runs I'd still like to do a half marathon and I was looking at a calendar of events right and you know I mean as you know every weekend's got something going on right a swim meet a coming of age ceremony this that the other and the only weekend that didn't have something was Mother's Day weekend and I found uh-huh. a half marathon and, but I can't do that that's Mother's Day but I was like, hey, wait a minute. I can do that. <laughs> Mother's Day. Exactly. Yeah. So I signed up for it. And and like all things, it seemed like a really good idea at the time when I was signing up for it. But now as we're getting closer, she's sick again. And it, it's, the forecast is for like it's for it to be a cold and rainy day. Uh, and so I, I'm not. We'll have to see. I'll, I'll tell you on Monday whether or not. Yeah, the half marathon. It's in Brooklyn. Oh wow! Okay, there's this really cool, like, um, uh, hip foodie kind of market called Smorgasburg in in Brooklyn, where you can go get all kinds of really cool food and cool ice cream. And so that was the big selling point for her. Like, we'd go into Brooklyn, I'd run the half marathon, then we'd go to this really cool, like, artisanal, you know, food market and eat all kinds of really good stuff afterwards. But if she's sick and it's raining cold, we may we may not do any of that. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, 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 you have a post queued up for Monday, so we'll we'll all be waiting. <laughs> we'll either right. like have a, at some point we're going to hear about your better better Mother's Day, whether it involves thirteen point one miles or not. Um, is it the Brook? Is it the Airbnb half, or is that one already gone? Is it the no, New York Road Run? It's not that one. It's oh, that okay. that. That half marathon, which is the largest half marathon in the country, is uh, actually the following weekend. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So where, do you, where does this one go? Do you know the route? Yes. It's um, three, three or four laps of Prospect Park. Oh, well, that's good. You can keep tabs on her then easily, you know, just plop yeah. her in one spot and wave yeah, as you go by. Exactly. There you go. Cool. I can bail out if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's not an out and back. You're not going to have to come back after 6.5 miles. Um, awesome. Awesome. Well, and I, cause I haven't really talked to you just, you know, chit chat. I mean, do you have any summer plans? Are you doing, do you have any trips planned or anything fun going on? We do a beach week uh, every August with a group of friends um, uh, that that we always look forward to. Um, and it's at the southern um, southernmost beaches in New Jersey. And it's really pretty, and it's it's something we always have a lot of fun. Um, oh, good! Right, right near bikes and go to the beach. And guess what? Eating ice cream. <laughs> I, know, I, say, I think this is our theme. We're going to have to it ask is. our guest Keegan Randall what her favorite flavor is because, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. And um, and then, I mean, do you keep your running up during the summer or does the heat slay you or where do you kind of land as far as training wise during the summertime? Oh, the heat totally, totally slays me. In fact, last week I went for a run. I was really, really hot. We went for a de- run with a dear friend and she could, she could only go like right around 1230. And I had to oh stop. Oh my gosh. And, I know. I had to stop and walk because I, I, it's like, it's too hot. And I feel dizzy. And it's not fun. Yeah, that's so, you know, and that and then those first couple runs in that kind of heat, I mean, they're ne- they're never really fun, but the first ones where you haven't acclimated are are just tough, right? It's brutal. It's really brutal. Yeah, I mean, I was out in um at the Flying Pig Marathon and Half Marathon this past weekend and um the the halfers were pretty good overall. I mean, there was cloud cover and it was fairly cool, but um oh my gosh, when that sun came out, it is I mean, even though the the temperature, I think it read like 69 that's what the bank clock said so who knows how you know accurate that was but when when there's unexposed or un uncovered sun direct sunlight i guess would be an easier way to say that um it is just hot i mean yeah. it just feels like it's just there's just no rest for the weary and there's no shade on the course and oh i mean i just felt so bad for those marathoners who you know basically weren't coming in under 3 hours which was you know 98% of the bunch yeah, that's really hard. I mean, anything over for me, anything over fifty in a marathon, it just starts getting too hot too quickly. Yeah, like it really takes it totally out of me. Yeah, it does. It doesn't, and especially when you're not. I mean, again, it's never easy. But that first couple runs, when you're used to, you know, having your all your skin covered up, and yeah. you know, you're wearing gloves, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I'm wearing shorts and a tank, and I'm hot. Ah! Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, awesome. Yeah. And then what about um, summertime for us always means swim team, of course. Um, and is that is this Nina's big season for swim team or is she on a different kind of club schedule? She's on a club schedule. And this is totally baffling to me as a non-swimmer. Like yeah. they, they, the height of their season is like winter and uh, and then followed by spring. And they basically have all of August off. Uh, which oh, is totally backwards to me, but. But yeah, swimmer. So yeah, okay. So, and your kids are swimming on the swim team this summer. Yeah, I mean, our little club. You know, it's it's a summer club season, uh, league, right? So it's not it's you know um, not intense by any stretch. Um, but our you know that's kind of the the hub of our social world in the summertime is our little neighborhood club pool. And last year, um, the renovations for it were not finished on time. Um, they, we kind of redid the clubhouse and stuff. So it wasn't open for most of last summer. So it's going to be open this year. So that's like a huge win. Um, and again, with kids that are, 
you know, um, you know, 12 and, and almost 15, like they can ride their bikes up there. Amelia is going to be um, a junior coach and, uh, you know, so she's going to help with the littles in the pool. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I say that I'm looking forward to some teen season and then after like about the first meet where I'm out there in the unprotected sun for, you know, five hours frying like a little, you know, whatever I, you know, I'm like, oh, I forgot how long these days are for, you know, 45 seconds of excitement watching your kids swim. But that is so cool that your daughter can um, bike there and can be a junior coach. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. No, it's good. I mean, they, yes, biking there and they can hang out there. You know, hopefully yeah. their behavior will be, you know, I mean, there's enough lifeguards and adult staff that if they are, I'm, I'm not worried, but, you know, you're always like, how do my kids behave when I'm not, you know, in the in the near vicinity? Um but yeah, it's really good. I mean, it's her first job, right? And she's um, 14 right now. She'll be 15 at the end of June. And so it's most jobs around here, you know, most you need to yes. be 15. So yes. so for her to be able to have, you know, they said that they would pay her. We don't know what they're, she's getting paid yet. So I don't care if it's, you know, $3 on the hour. It's just something, right? So Yeah, definitely. So Nina's birthday's in August and she talks about that a lot because she really, really, really wants to work, but she's only 13 now. And, you know, next year she won't be... 15 until the end of the summer. Um, yeah. And I would like for her to work too. <laughs> well, you know what? There's a lot to be said for having, I mean, we give her an allowance, you know, for, um, cause she's in high school and they can go off campus and eat, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's pretty minimal. I mean, we are not, you know, funding, you know, Chipotle every day by any stretch. And, um, and you know, for her to have some spending money would be really, I think she would enjoy it, <laughs> you know? Um, she doesn't, again, going back to the chores, she doesn't seem to really want to, um, you know, I'm like, well, here, here's a list of things you can do. I'll pay you, you know, $10 an hour, like trying to, you know, up the ante a little bit. Yes. And she doesn't, you know, she just doesn't bite, no, you know? No, so it's the same way, same way here. Like, I'll, I'll keep making a list and say, okay, these are all the things that you could do and earn money. Like, not interested in any of those things. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so, and the, well, and then the other thing that with a late birthday, which I think is kind of a blessing, is um, driving, right? Um, so... You know, she's Amelia's right now taking her driver's ed online. And yeah. honestly, it is 30 hours of, I mean, you can either take it like a week straight. They, they, they have them over like spring breaks and some summer classes where you're basically in the classroom for, you know, six hours, five days a week, or you can take it online. And so she's been doing it online. And I mean, again, it's like, you know sit down and do a module, Amelia, come on, you know, we got to keep going. <laughs> you know, like, cause it is, I mean, I was like, what'd you learn about today? She's like four leaf clovers and getting on and off the highway. And I'm like, all right. All right. It's pretty funny. When can she get her driver's license? Well, she can get a permit, you know, when she turns 15, but then they have to have the permit for a full year. Okay. Um, and I'm not entirely sure how it all works. I know that there is a six month um, minimum, like you cannot drive anybody but your siblings or your parents in your car for six months. Yeah, I, love, I, I like that rule. I do too. I do too. And I like that you can, um, yeah, that that's going to be good. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Um, it's It feels very odd to me. I've never, you know, we haven't even practiced driving like in a parking lot or anything. And I kind of am, I'm pushing off that day for as long <laughs> as I can. <laughs> Not super interested in jumping on that one. No, my mom didn't want to drive with me ever either. She she gave it to uh, my dad and 
and and my sister and a secretary and anybody. <laughs> anybody else teach my yeah, daughter how to drive. I don't want to be in the car with her. It's too terrifying. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we are going to take a quick break um, and then we're going to come back and, and uh, welcome our guest, Keegan Randall. Our guest today is Keegan Randall, whose accomplishments are so numerous it would take a whole show to get them to get through them. She won the first American Olympic gold medal for cross-country skiing with her teammate Jesse Diggins at the 2018 Winter Olympics. She has stood on 29 World Cup podiums and is a 17-time U.S. national champion. She's the mother to Breck, who is two years old. And here's the best part. She can ride a unicycle and is the Alaska State Speed Skiing Champion, clocking in at nearly 75 miles an hour in 1997 in Alaska. That's crazy. <laughs> Welcome, Ke- Keegan, and happy almost Mother's Day. Thank you. Thank you. It's always a fun time of year. Exactly. Um, so before we get to all your Olympic glory and all the unglorious realities of motherhood, let's talk about your running career. You were a pretty accomplished runner and you ran track in cross country in high school, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, my running passion was born uh, when I started going to fun runs with my dad at age four, I'd run about half the race on his shoulders and then the rest uh, sprint to the finish line. And then from there, focused on my sixth grade uh, school record in the mile. And then it just kind of, I just love the challenge of running. It's so pure. Do you remember your uh, sixth grade time, your record? Yeah, it was 606. Wow. Um, is that still standing? It is. My, my, my younger brother uh, got close. He was 608. Wow. Um, it was it was fun. It, we raced uh, raced around the school. <laughs> <laughs> no track. Uh, no, not not at the elementary level. Then I was pretty excited to go into junior high and seventh grade to actually do track for real and and go after that record. Yeah, well, and so you ran um, the eight hundred, the sixteen hundred, and the thirty two hundred. Out of those three events, which one was your favorite and why? The uh, the sixteen hundred was always my favorite event, and it's because. My aunt uh, held the Alaska State High School record uh, in the mile at 4.56. And so it was always my goal to try and beat her record um, and run under five minutes. I never quite did. I ran five flat point two. Um, So it was just always that that connection, that challenge. But ironically, uh, my best performance probably came in the 3200. I had a, a nationally ranked time there, I think my junior or senior year of high school. Nice. Uh, um- Keegan, this is Tish. Thanks for joining us today. Um, so I, we, we are going to get to the skiing portion of this podcast, but but we have to ask all these running questions first. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so you ran the thirty two hundred that and that sort of sets you up for the endurance uh, portion of the podcast as well. But I'm curious, um, are, are do you do you still run today? And what does like what does running play in your um, in your training regimen today? That's a great question. Uh, one of the things I love about being a cross-country skier is the fact that I get to use so many different training modalities uh, to further myself as an athlete. So I have spent a lot of time running uh, while I was full on in my ski career. I'm recently retired. Just about a month ago, I did my last race. And so now that I'm transitioning into being a normal person, I like to say, um, <laughs> running has been just my go-to uh, because we just moved to a new place. So we're uh, trying to line up some childcare for my son, Breck, uh, so I can manage some of the new duties that I have. But it's been great to just put him in the jogging stroller and go out and run. 
That's Love it. awesome. Well, so I was going to ask you actually about that. So you just moved to Pentington, right? Um, which I've heard is just a beautiful part of Canada. Yeah. You know, I had this amazing supportive husband who was willing to basically put his career on hold for the last eight years while I pursued my final two Olympics. And in return, we always discussed that when I retired, we would transition and support his career for a while. And then this job opportunity came open in the, in Penticton here, and it was a great fit for his skills and, and got him back to Canada. He's Canadian. So yeah, our new, our new adventure just started a few weeks ago. Wow. Wow. And, um, and do you have any interest in racing, um, on the road? Like, do you see yourself doing like a half marathon or a marathon or, or a 10 K or five K for that matter? Or a 3,200. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so crazy right now. Um, after the last 20 years really been really being focused on one goal and that was winning an Olympic medal. Um, and now all of a sudden the, it's just, everything is wide open. I mean, I could literally go out and pursue any goal I can think of. And the first ones that come to mind, I have to say are, are, are in running. Um, you know, I'm still would love to chase after that five minute mile just to get under that, you know, having been so close, um, some good friends of mine that are world cup skiers are looking at the New York marathon in mm. November. So that's kind of on the table. Uh, mm. but we'd also like to expand our family, um, in this next year. So kind of going to have to see a balance of, uh, some possible running goals and then whether or not, uh, I get pregnant again. Sure. Sure. Just like motherhood. It's a constant balance, right? What's going to come up today? Am I going to be pregnant? Am I going to enter the marathon? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Awesome. When you take Breck in a jogging stroller, how far do you guys run? Well, it's always a balance of his attention span uh, because I love to run. And because I've been an endurance athlete for so long, I could, I could be out there for upwards of two hours probably. Uh, but usually uh, I like to try to pick a destination that's maybe a playground or a fun place that I know he can get out and move around. So we'll kind of run out that way. And if I can sneak in half an hour, 45 minutes on the way out, that's great. And then we stop and we play at a park and, and he gets to run around uh, and then we'd run back. So um, I'm, I'm learning now what that balance is between what I'd like to do and, and what he likes to do. Right. Well, yeah, and I, I, doing a little research on you prior to having you on this podcast, I was reading, you know, your tips for keeping your family active. And I liked, I mean, I liked all your tips, incorporating them, bringing them to a park, hiking with them, that kind of thing. But I also like that you said that you like to go by yourself because, um, you know, it refreshes your spirit and gives you more energy to pour into your family when you get home. Um, so just, can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, has that been tough with the move to find that time? Yeah, like I said, after after really have been had the schedule of an athlete for 20 years, uh, I am now getting a greater appreciation for um, how everybody has to balance family and exercise and career and all those things. So I, I'm still learning and figuring it out. Uh, I would say so far it's been a mix of uh, doing a few more workouts with my son. Uh, just so we get to spend that time together and kind of knock out two birds with one stone. Um, but also trying to get in some some true like workouts and some solo stuff uh, just so I can keep keep my energy up. And, and after having kind of had that daily like goal setting and, and things to work on, um, I'm finding now that uh, it's really good to have that element at least a few times in my week. Uh, the goals are different, but still kind of going out with a purpose in mind, uh, getting it done. You know, those endorphins are just, I think, so important for keeping up your good energy and confidence. So um, I haven't figured out the secret yet, but when I do, I'll let you know. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we we established that you were a, a sixth grade um, rock star on the track uh, as a runner. Um, so when did you start skiing? How did you get into skiing and how did you get into it um, competitively? Well, growing up, I was in a very athletic family. Um, my mom competed in uh, cross-country skiing in college. Uh, she has a, a brother and sister that both went to the Olympics in cross-country skiing. So my mom's side of the family was definitely, uh, they all cross-country skied, so we just grew up doing it. My dad came from the uh, the track world, the football world, and the alpine ski world. So he actually got me on skis the day after my first birthday. They were mm-hmm. alpine skis. Uh, and so a lot of family wow. outings growing up were just on skis of all sorts and hearing the stories of my aunt and uncle. Um, I knew from five years old on that I wanted to go to the Olympics, but it was a matter of choosing which sport I was going to pursue. And so I tried everything and I did fun runs growing up. I played soccer. Uh, I got kind of into running around sixth, seventh grade and really between from sixth grade until through my sophomore year of high school, I would say running was my favorite sport um, and what I saw my future in. And then at the end of my sophomore year of high school, I had been doing the cross-country ski team in the winter to stay in shape for running. And it was what all my running friends were doing. Um, And my coach that I had worked with since seventh grade, who had run a summer training program, was leaving, uh, leaving our city. So I needed a new training group. And as I was looking around, I got introduced to this three-time Olympian who was starting a new ski program. And I kind of thought, well, you know, ski training is good for running. Maybe I can do both. And within a few weeks of just kind of talking with, with him and, and the new coach they'd hired for the youth team, uh, I started to realize that cross-country skiing was kind of the culmination of what I loved about all the sports I'd done growing up. It had, of course, the challenge of running and just that pure effort. It had the excitement of the downhill skiing. It had the team component like soccer. And I was also really intrigued by the fact that no American woman had ever won an Olympic medal in the sport. So all that came together and I kind of at 16 switched my focus from trying to go to like the Foot Locker Western Regional and qualify for nationals to trying to make the world junior team. And uh, pretty much from there, the rest is history. Wow. You, you're very driven, huh? I mean, you, you, I love that your goals were so clear to you at such a young age. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a bit innate because my parents have a story they love to tell about uh, before I was walking, they took me to a picnic and they were kind of off in the grass to the side and they set me down in the grass and I started to crawl because I saw a playground about 200 feet away and they were just, they let me crawl and they wanted to see how far I'd go before I kind of looked back. And they said, I went all the way to the playground. I didn't look back once. I just, I saw what I wanted and I went after it. So I guess that's kind of always been a part of my personality. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, so you, so you won that Olympic gold medal. You were the first American woman along with your teammate, Jesse Diggins, to finally get that uh, gold medal around your neck. How does it feel to be on everybody's highlight reel of the 2018 games? Well, I'll tell you, literally, it's it's a heavy weight. I mean, that medal is a pound and a half. It is something, something special. Holy cow! I mean, it's it's just the most fairy tale ending I could have ever imagined for my career. Um, five Olympics. This was my 18th Olympic start. I knew it was going to be my last Olympic race because I knew I'd be retiring at the end of the season. Um, I was uh, it was really tough to select the team because it's only a two-person event and we had both multiple girls in the team that could have filled that spot and so I was just elated just to get selected to the team 
and get to race that format one more time because it's one of the most demanding formats we do, but also one of the most exciting. And uh, so I would just, I walked out under the lights that night and I was just so excited to execute our race plan and race for USA one more time. Uh, my teammate and I had a great day leading into the event, which was at contested at night. We just hung out together. Uh, we watched our favorite glee clips. We put our face paint on <laughs> and uh, we never talked about the medal. We just, we, we kind of knew deep down that if, that we were, we could do it, but we never talked, we never made that the focus. And I think in the end, that was probably what just really freed us both to perform at our best and to finally win this medal. And the emotion uh, when Jesse crossed the finish line and we, and we know, knew we'd won was just incredible. I mean, our entire team was right there along the fence um, to share this with us, which was so important because every member played a key role in making this happen. Our staff, our techs, just an, it, such amazing validation for all our, our team has been working for what we know is possible and to finally get to prove that the USA can be best in the world in cross country. Amazing. That that's really so cool. And you talk about um, teamwork uh, a couple of times there. And, and I'm curious about um, how teamwork played into to your success. Well, I was really fortunate to uh, have some amazing teamwork on my high school cross country running team. And from there, I just I learned right away that even though we were literally competing against each other out on the trail, that by kind of pushing each other, being invested in each other's success, um, really working together, we all got better. And most importantly, we had a lot of fun along the way. And uh, five of my high school teammates were my bridesmaids at my wedding and still some of my best friends. So I, I had this amazing team in high school, both on the cross-country running team, the cross-country ski team, and track. And so when I made the U.S. ski team and I was the only woman competing on the World Cup, I just was lonely. And I knew that in order to be successful, uh, we needed to create a team and that the relay events could be some of our strongest. So I kept bugging the coaches to add more women to the team. You know, we have a big geographic challenge with how big our country is. But we started figuring out ways to get the women together. And we just we had a, we had a great uh, coach who challenged us not only to be great teammates out in training and in the races, but to also really um, support each other um, through the highs and lows that of that's living on the road for months at a time. That's putting your your big goals out there. Um, and so we developed this, this amazing team culture, this bond uh, where we we truly did invest in each other. Um, we pushed each other and we raised the entire level of U.S. skiing. So going into this Olympics, we talked about any success, whether it was an individual medal or a team medal, was going to belong to every single member of the team because we know we all pushed each other to make it happen. Oh my gosh, I have the goosebumps and I think I'm going to start crying. I'm not kidding. I mean, I just, <laughs> your, your perspective is so lovely. And I just, I mean, and that's why you guys succeeded. I mean, so I read the ESPN article where you guys talked about doing, you know, you went bowling and you wore the same outfits and you did skits at training camps and all this stuff where you were investing in each other, both on the snow and off the snow. And I think that that makes such a difference in the mentality of, again, like you said, you're competing against each other at the end of the day, except for, you know, obviously to make the relay team, but then, you know what I'm saying? But it's, it's just so cool that, um, you can embrace the friendship and the competition simultaneously and, and thrive because of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I have gained so much. If I look back over my career, I mean, I have these great medals and globes and things hanging around my house, but what's most special to me are 
the pictures and the memories uh, and the friends that I have. And I've, I've even been able to develop these amazing friendships with my competitors on other international teams. Um, in a month, I'm going to my friend's wedding in Sweden um, and along with one of my teammates and uh, one of my friends on the Finnish team. We had babies two weeks apart. And so we become, you know, we got even closer when we became moms together. Um, and it's just been so enriching. And we've really, it's amazing how you can be fierce competitors on the trail and then really good friends um, the rest of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and Tish, this kind of reminds me of, you know, the Boston Marathon and Desi and um, Shalene, or Shalane, sorry, um, you know, waiting or Desi waiting for Shalane in the bathroom, right? I mean, they aren't teammates necessarily because they don't train in the same spot, but it's that same mentality, like we're stronger together, right? Oh, it's definitely cool when you can work together towards um, the same kind of goal. And I think even if you're competing each other against each other, you understand, uh, especially at that level, you really understand what uh, each other, what you're both going through. Totally, totally. Okay, so let's let's rewind a little bit. Um, so you you obviously you made your five Olympic teams. You've retired. But, um, you know, I want you to talk a little bit about your approach to longevity, both physically and mentally, because, I mean, 20 years of staying at the top of your game, especially because you had a child towards the end of that, is so impressive. Yeah, boy, it feels like it's gone by in the blink of an eye. I mean, I remember walking into my first opening ceremonies in Salt Lake in front of the 80,000 people there in the stadium. And just my, my eyes were wide. I was there shoulder to shoulder with the world's best, best athletes and just starting to live this dream and, and dreaming about that crazy idea that maybe one day we could be successful as Americans. And so I remember uh, after those games, sitting down with my coaches and kind of telling them I wanted to win an Olympic medal and then mapping out how we might make that happen. And I remember at the time it was about a 10 year process. Um, we had to we had to go, well, you're 44th in the world now. How do we get you to number one? And we had to kind of create all these intermediate goals of, of being competitive with my uh, my age group and the rest of the world and then getting World Cup experience, and then world championships. And so the cool part was, is I had this big goal out there that was motivating and then all these little intermediate points to really keep me focused along the way. And I think that was really key in allowing me to, to put in the time you know, as an endurance athlete, it just takes a while to build up the training and the experience. And so I had these small goals to keep me motivated and, and to really be able to measure my progress. And then it was like overnight, I, I looked up and it was like, oh my gosh, that 10 years has gone by. And now I've built myself into a competitor that compete for medals. And so everything was, was really going well up into the 2014 Olympics and going into Sochi, I was considered the gold medal favorite in the freestyle sprint, which actually only happens every other Olympics. So I'd been looking forward to it since the 2006 games. And I was, so I was coming in as the gold medal favorite. I was confident. My training was going perfect. Uh, I could picture winning that medal. And I went into those games ready to make history. And, and the day came and went, I gave it my best and I ended up five hundredths of a second short and I got eliminated in, in the quarterfinals. And, uh, you can imagine, again, the emotion that hits you. And yeah. uh, uh, I had made a promise to myself going into that game, the games that the most important part was to leave everything out there. And if I did that, no matter what, I'd walk away satisfied. And so 
I, I remember that promise as I walked out of the finish area. Uh, and then I also knew that by focusing my energy on the, on the team around me, cause we actually, I had a teammate who was still, uh, in the race. Um, so I went over, ran over to her, told her everything I knew about the course, uh, and really poured my energy into her doing well. And that really helped me. And then also had the team events later that week to look forward to. Uh, but in the end we came up short in Sochi. We didn't win that Olympic medal. And after that, I had a really important decision to make. Uh, do I continue on for another four years to get one more shot at that medal? Uh, but we want to start a family. You know, I've had an amazing career up to this point. And uh, in the end, I didn't want to have to decide one or the other. I decided to, again, kind of challenge things and try to do both. And so my, my husband and I kind of got strategic and we figured out there was a year uh, in the middle of the Olympic cycle where there was no major championship. So we... We did our best to, to try and get pregnant that year and it worked. Um, so I was able, I had to take a season away from racing, uh, which was tough, but uh, it allowed me, I was able to train through my pregnancy. I was really curious to see how that was going to go. And then it gave me a year to come back uh, through a world championships and then uh, two years leading into the Olympics. So um, really just approached this last four years with, with a lot of just uh, gratitude and curiosity. And I think, again, that just that really built upon the amazing experience I'd had in the previous four games and allowed me to be in a position where I could come in, uh, give it everything I have, contribute to the team, uh, and really enjoy the Olympics one last time. And I have to say, uh, becoming a mom in the process has been more wonderful than I could have ever imagined. I think it, it made, of course, my life perspective change in so many positive ways, but also as a competitor, it just allowed me to, to be focused, um, to, to really appreciate the time I got to be out there training and spending time with my teammates. Um, and then no matter what happened, win or lose, I could come back to a, a smiling baby boy that was happy to see me either way. So uh, it's just, it's been incredible. I, I couldn't have written the story any better. That is really cool. And it all worked out nicely. <laughs> I was about to say, it's like a Hallmark movie waiting to happen, or maybe it's already happening. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kikin, you, you, you ran through your pregnancy and pretty soon after you uh, gave birth, I think. Is that right? I did. Yeah. I ran up until about the seven month mark. Um, after about six months, I switched most of my running to the anti-gravity treadmill. Um, I was starting to get a little bit of pain in my pelvis just from the weight uh, of the growing baby. So um, switched to the Alter G and that was a great way to kind of extend the running a little bit longer um, and have fun running, running kind of fast. Um, and then after uh, I gave birth, I gave myself about six weeks to really, really be cautious and make sure that my body had some time to recover. And then I was so anxious to start dabbling with running that I started doing little runs around the block. And I was gradually building up with like a minute and then two minutes and then three minutes. And I made a little bit of progress, but then also was running into that pain in my pelvis again. So I ended up working with a, a postpartum specialist, uh, physical therapist. And, uh, we did a couple things to kind of help me build up. And it really took me probably three or four months to get back to where I could run, uh, kind of a normal amount. Um, and I think one of the techniques uh, that I used was, um, I started running on the road thinking that staying in my neighborhood and close to home was a good idea, but pavement is so hard on you with the impact that I think it actually was better once I started going on trails and softer surfaces. 
Um, so that helped. And then, of course, mixing it in with with cycling and some of the roller skiing and stuff, um, I think kind of building it up gradually um, was really important. Yeah, because three or four months is not really very long after, after giving birth. After what no, I, <laughs> and it was it was a slow process from uh, from about three months to six months again to where I before I was really able to run normal for any significant amount of time. Well, and major props for um, listening to that pain in your pelvis. And did you see a pelvic floor physical therapist? Was that is that what you went to, or did you see a just a postpartum one, or not just, but a postpartum one? Um, what we really worked on was, of course, rebuilding the the pelvic floor. And mm-hmm. what I had never had to think about as an athlete is this inner core system we have with your pelvic floor and your transverse abdominis and all those things. And so. Uh, it was really eye-opening to have to work on that specifically and rebuild it, but I'm so glad I did um, in that first three months. Um, so I was going to Pilates and working with a physical therapist um, and then wearing a, a band kind of around my hips that just kind of helped keep things a little bit tighter. Sure, sure. That's awesome. Good job. Um, so because because we're heading up onto Mother's Day, um, can you talk about you? You mentioned your mom and, and that she was an awesome athlete. Um, can you describe what role she played in your athletic career? Like, did she come to every race? Did she let you do your own thing? Like, kind of talk about that role a little bit. Yeah, well, I tell you, becoming a mother myself has given me such a greater appreciation for both my parents. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that, right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> my parents were great in that they they encouraged me to um, to step outside my comfort zone, to uh, to go after what I was excited about, um, to try lots of different things. Um, our role with sports was. Um, once I had signed up for something and committed to it, I had to at least see that through the season. Um, Cause you know, it's easy to get excited and then show up and realize practice is actually kind of hard. And so I remember trying cross country skiing for the first time and, and kind of whining to my parents that it was hard. And they said, well, you've signed up for the year. So you got to at least see it through the winter. Uh, but then they let me, you know, try something else. And so I tried something else for a couple of years and ended up coming back to it. So I think it was great that I, that I learned about commitment uh, but also got the chance to try a lot of different things. Um, and my mom was always so fun to go out and do adventures with. Um, she would, we'd, we'd go running together and hiking together. And then as I got to a more serious athlete, it became me dragging her out more. Um, and we had this joke. <laughs> I, I, I had this thing and I'm like, mom, we got to, we got to make it count. You know, we got to go fast enough that we feel like good, like we're accomplishing something, but obviously not too hard so that we can really enjoy it. And so that's become our joke. And we've gotten to do a lot of fun um, activities together that way. Um, but my mom is just always such an amazing cheerleader for me. You know, I, I loved sharing, calling her and sharing the good news, but then also calling her and talking through the tough times and uh, maybe played a few mean practical jokes on her where uh, I'd call home and she'd go, how was the race? And I'd say, oh, you know, it went pretty good. And she'd go, well, how did you do? Well, I won. (laughs) 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 So, um, yeah, no, my mom's been uh, so supportive and so patient. Uh, Both my parents went to all five Olympics. Uh, They got to be there that night. We won the gold medal and I got to share it with them. That was really special. Um, And I love that. Yeah, both my parents, I was able to do a lot of activity with them, go out running together. Um, We're all right right now doing this 100 miles in May challenge for um, a local fitness program in Alaska. Um, So we've been working out together a little bit when I was home a couple weeks ago. Um, So yeah, just 
my, I, I love, I always love Mother's Day um, because I love the chance to really celebrate my mom. She's been amazing. What are your plans for Mother's Day? <laughs> well, um, I'm down in, B, I'm in BC now and my mom's up in Alaska, so I won't get to celebrate with my mom, um, but I'll definitely call her and um, probably come up with some harebrained scheme to, uh, to get her motivated for a new athletic goal because I love torturing her with that stuff. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to spending time with, with my family, uh, with my husband and my son. Um, we're just getting settled into our new spot here, and there's lots of cool uh, adventures around town to check out. So just really looking forward to getting to spend, spend the day with those guys. Awesome. So before you go, I, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a sidebar, Keegan, just because I have to ask this because we have access to you, who's such an amazing athlete, because watching cross country on TV, it looks painful. And I, and and TV typically makes sports look easier than they really are, right? And so if it looks really hard, we're like multiplying that by 100. And that's really how hard it is in person. So I'm just curious. I mean, obviously, it sounds like you, you have such a goal-driven mentality and, and you've been an athlete your whole life. But is there anything when you talk to, you know, quote unquote, you know, regular runners or regular athletes that you talk to them about mentality? Like when your legs and lugs are burning and you've got just a steep, steep hill in front of you, like, you know, how do you get yourself up there and give yourself the best or give out, give out the best effort that you possible? <laughs> well, I'll give you two views on this. There's the macro view and the micro view. The macro view is that, um, when we're, when we're doing any, taking on any challenge, you know, whether it's running or skiing or things in life, you know, we're, we're essentially headed up a hill. And as soon as you start going up that hill, your body's screaming at you like, Hey, this is hard. I want to stop. I've got all these other things I could do. I'm going to turn around. Uh, and that's where you take the micro view and you say, no, I'm going to take this one step at a time. I'm going to look at the top of the hill and I'm just going to, I'm just going to get to that point. And then from there I'll get to another point. So by breaking it down and just into literally like in the moment, these one step at a time, it's amazing how you could just kind of encourage yourself through. And then all of a sudden you get to the top and when you get to the top, you get the view and you get the exhilaration of going down the other side. And I think that is just such a great metaphor for endurance sports. Um, you know, you, you do have to push yourself. You do have to be uncomfortable, but if you take it one step at a time, um, then every step you take, you get stronger and you get that exhilaration and that feeling of accomplishment, um, from making it to the top. So it's all about just keeping yourself motivated, um, getting through those, those tough times. And then, uh, but the benefit and the reward for all that effort is just this amazing feeling and energy and having a body that's fit and strong and can do anything you set your mind to. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Macro, micro, Tish, can you help me remember that? <laughs> I like that. I was thinking about, you know, you push yourself up to the top of the hill and then you get to run down it. And that's really fun. Yeah, it is. And, it and is. then skiing, Absolutely. you actually get to, you know, you glide, right? So <laughs> it's quite fun. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Keegan, for for taking some time out in this celebratory Mother's Day week, and for um and for just chatting with us and and uh, sharing all your experiences. We wish you the best in your transition, and and uh, we'll be following you. What what are you up to now? I, as you retire, do you have plans yet, or you're just kind of um seeing how the seeing how it goes? So many amazing projects to pour my energy to. It's it's hard to decide what to start on every day, but I lead this girls organization called Fast and Female that's all about keeping girls involved in sports because we know that boys and girls enter sports at equal levels, but girls tend to drop off in their teen years. So we're trying to counteract that trend. We're, we're bringing in a lot of our great elite athletes as role models 
connecting with the girls in person because we know that's super important and and also creating these peer groups so the girls can kind of get that teamwork and, and support each other and have a lot of fun so ton of potential with fast and female i want to expand it across the country uh, it's already going strong in canada so that's a big passion of mine uh, and i also got recently elected to the ioc athletes commission so for the next eight years i get to help represent the voice of athletes in the olympic movement and that's going to be super fun awesome i love the name fast and female uh, can people go is it fastandfemale.org if they want to go check it out uh, it's actually fastandfemale.com and i definitely highly, highly okay. recommend checking it out we've got a really fun logo it's a girl with pigtails and sunglasses on and uh we're in all sports and it's really just about kind of that empowerment through sport um so definitely check us out all right well thanks again and good luck with all your future endeavors thank you thank this has been fun Okay, Tish, so um, do you have those five-minute mile goals on your mind these days? <laughs> My gosh. You know, it's so funny to hear her talking about how um, she did cross-country skiing to stay in shape for running. And I'm like, wait a minute, isn't that backwards? <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I, I mean, she is just, I mean, she's an animal. Her her kind of, I think her Twitter handles like Kiki Animal or um, something <laughs> like that. Kick animal, yeah. I mean, and, and that's so cool. I love that she's once an Olympian, always an Olympian, right? And um, and but in such a like holistic way, and involving her teammates, and now you know figuring out how a second kid is going to fix fit into it. And gosh, I just, I mean, I remember watching that race, and it just, I seriously like hearing her talk about that whole process. I, I'm like. Was Getting chill bumps all over yes. again, right? I know, right? I mean, I'm sitting. It's you know, it's 80 degrees outside, and I'm shivering in my house because I know, it's um, really exciting. That's very, very cool. And it will be really interesting to see how she chant. I mean, she's as she said a couple of times, she's been focused on this for 20 years, right? So now yeah. we're going to turn her amazing dedication and energy and passion and all that. And I love the sound of this organization that she's working on fast and female. So yeah, really cool to see what her next chapter does. I agree. I agree. Um, well, let's head over. Usually Sarah lets me trot on over to the train, like a mother club corner, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to ski over there myself <laughs> downhill. Um, we're talking about stride into summer, which is presented by noon is starting this Monday, May 14th. We won't be running any five-minute miles, but we do have five weeks of fun, unique workouts like Tropical Bammer Delight, for one. The workouts integrate running, strength, and cross-training. When you add in accountability, camaraderie, and a sweet swag package that includes a noon wristband, a tube of noon, and a bunch of other training goodies we love, you've just got to join us. You can sign up at trainlikeamother.club. Okay, Tish, well, I guess our little catch-up time is over. I, I'm kind of bummed, <laughs> but, um, but look forward to maybe, you know, maybe under better circumstances, getting to talk to you and maybe host with you again sometime. It would be a lot of fun. Uh, it was really fun talking with Keegan today. Awesome. Well, good. Well, good luck on Sunday. Whether you make it to the race or not, we'll be waiting with bated breath. All right. One way or another. Thanks. Thanks all for right. having me. Many happy miles and happy Mother's Day to all. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your weekend. 